Everybody, welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast, uh, special edition. This is John Burke, and with me from across the pond, safely ensconced in his own home, Matt Hudson. Hello, I am safely ensconced. I've got all of the windows boarded up. It will, you know, the windows are boarded up, the doors are sealed closed. Nobody's getting in. Nothing's getting out. It's scary. Yes, sir. Uh, it is scary times with the coronavirus. Um, still, you know, uh, ever present at the moment. We are uncertain of what's going to happen, but we are trying to make the best of our quarantines by watching movies, talking about movies and, you know, uh, interacting socially the best way that I think you and I do anyways, which is talking on podcast. Yes. So we, we talk outside of, uh, the pods, of course, but, um, when it comes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just get robotic messages back. Um, this, this phone is not in service anymore, but you know, I I still like replying to it. Correct. Um, but you know, uh, the last episode, our first episode, this is, I'm sorry, this is our second episode of the BAMP Apocalypse Now, um, our mini series, uh, where we're examining movies about the end of the world or, uh, isolation or quarantines as it were. Uh, our first episode, we talked about the film Wreck from 2007 and this episode, I think we're going a little different direction, less horror. Although I guess you could make an argument that it's a little scary in, in the sense that the end of the world is still ever present in the movie. Um, but uh, we're going to be looking at seeking for seeking a friend for the end of the world, um, which came out in 2012. Uh, it is directed by Lorene Scafaria, which Matt, do you know what else she's directed? Cause she's only done three films. Then I'm, I'm going to put my cards on the table now and say no, but that name rings a bell when I feel like you're going to say something and I'm just going to go, ah, Dude, she's a hat trick of a director because she's made three films and I love all three. Uh, her first film um, is this one, actually, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. She then directed The Meddler with uh, Rose Byrne and um, I always forget, uh, Susan Sarandon. Did you see that one? I haven't I, seen that one. So that, that's okay. good for me. <laughs> I'm a big, big fan of that movie. If you haven't seen it, if you like Rose Byrne, especially, she's so freaking funny in this movie. But um, then she directed last year's very successful Hustlers. That's where I've heard a name from. Yes. So uh, in my eyes, she's she's a hat trick of a director. She's done three movies, and they're all great. Um, I, I think uh, her first and third are her best. I, and honestly, I think Hustlers is better. Um, but Seeking a Friend for the End of the World is a film that I had initially ignored outright um, because of its cast. Uh, and I'm going to get some heat for this, but I am not always a Steve Carell fan. I am a Steve Carell fan in very specific circumstances. Um, I do not blindly go to a movie because he's attached to it uh in fact some movies i avoid because he's attached to it um kira knightley at the time this came out i was not a big fan i am a huge fan now um i did not know that th there's a lot of like cameo type performances in this movie where people show up but they're not in it for very long like melanie linsky is an actress who i love she's barely in it um adam brody i often find to be very funny he's barely in it connie Britton usually solid actress a lot of people know her from uh um american horror story or my wife loved uh nashville yeah but but she's barely in it rob cordry who i always find to be very very funny barely in it rob uh hubel is like i think literally in one scene and like he's in the office with steve carell i think it's the only scene he's in 
and he's he has like two lines like and they're real not ron hubel like lines because usually he's at like real like outgoing and ex- extroverted and this character like the world's coming to an end he just looks really down and depressed um and then there's a few other people who show up uh, one i think is kind of i don't know if it's a spoiler like martin sheen's in it but barely yeah amy schumer yeah but this is before train wreck so no one cared that amy schumer was in this at the time <laughs> yeah. um no her, but yeah yeah i mean <laughs> sorry uh, and Patton oswalt is in it in that same sequence and yeah yeah uh, i love Patton oswalt not listed high on the list but um so huge cast but it's really steve carell and Keira knightley they're they're your leads they are the ones who uh the, and it starts with carell she shows up a little bit later but once she shows up she's a major part of the film um uh, also tj miller and uh brie um Oh man, I'm with Alison Brie. Alison Brie, no, Jillian Jacobs. Jillian Jacobs, uh, both from Community, <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, she she shows up at the the, the restaurant that's like a TGI Fridays or uh, Frenzies. Frenzies is what it's called here, which I love that name. Um, the budget, it was a ten million dollar movie, and it only grossed eleven point six million worldwide, which is still broke. It did better than Breaking Even, but not what a studio wants, especially with uh, Carell at that time, 2012. They would have expected him to have a, a, a draw. Um, I actually, uh, the first time I saw this was about a year ago, if I'm not mistaken. Big Tuna, I think, made me watch it. If not, if he didn't make me watch it, it was a movie he'd been recommending to me, and I finally watched it. Um, I feel like it might have been part of our Take Six uh, last year, but I can't remember for sure. Um, but I, I recently was at the Dollar Tree, and Dollar Tree gets Blu-rays and DVDs sometimes. And it was there on the shelf for a dollar. And I was like, heck yeah, because I had to watch it digitally last time and I didn't buy it. So I was kind of regretful because I liked it. And um, I did rewatch this, even though I didn't have to because I I had seen it recently enough. I could have talked about it, but I went ahead and threw it on and I actually enjoyed it even more the second time. So I'm glad I rewatched it. Uh, And you watched it on Netflix, but I don't think it's available on Netflix in the States. So yeah internationally thankfully it was because i hadn't seen this film i hadn't seen this film i'd I'd heard of the film again because it's steve carell kira knightley this was steve carell's first film post office i believe um so yeah in terms of being a box office draw i'm sure the studio would have expected a little bit more than what 1.6 million dollars more than they spent making it that's yeah that's a bomb in every sense of the word pretty much um yeah so I, i watched this in fact very recently in the last 48 hours and um I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. Uh, I guess uh, for somebody who hadn't seen the film but had heard of it and now knowing how little it made, it's underappreciated, I think. I think, potentially, wow. because I had a good time with this film. Yeah, it, it's actually, much uh, as I could say that. Sean's words where he thinks this is like a severely underrated film that not enough people have even seen to have like a negative critical reception, which, um, which I guess I am a slacker. I totally thought I looked up uh, both of the... Uh, rotten tomatoes and metascore but apparently i did not um so i'll do that Jay now Bray. uh the metascore is 59 which is not good it's not the worst no, i've ever seen by right, any no. um and uh it's a film that when it, when we started making our list of movies to do for this miniseries immediately popped in my mind um because it's it's an apocalyptic film that's not as much about the apocalypse as it is the people and how they're reacting to the impending news of an apocalypse, which that is important. I think to get out of the way right away um, is this movie right out of the gate tells you the world is doomed. Like they're, they're going to die. There's like a, I think it's an asteroid is what I, I gather. A 70 mile wide asteroid. Yeah. And there's a, an Armageddon style mission, which we don't see, but that's failed to Tina to try and divert or destroy it has failed. So a 70 mile wide asteroid 
is about to collide with Earth in the next three weeks, and it's going to obliterate Earth. And uh, just to go back to the RT, it has a 55 on Rotten Tomatoes, so also not very good. It's actually yeah, lower one, than one Metascore. One two people, yeah. Yeah, um, which I think part of it is because there is a dark sense of humor. Um, I would even, I think you would call this like an end-of-the-world rom-com. Um, I, I'd call it a dramedy more than anything, because I found it to be more drama with comedy moments in it, because the first half yeah. is more comedy, and then the second half becomes much more drama. So I think the two, and that's one of the issues I had, but I'll get into that, but there's a fighting tones in this but do you know what? i think the drama actually outweighs the comedy in terms of screen time i don't i found knightley and Carell so charming in this movie mm-hmm. um and i'm not again I, i'm not always a Carell fan and in fact i tend to like Carell more in the sad sack type roles um which would qualify here um like i really love dan in real life i love him as a jerk in the way back the way way back um what about Malcolm, welcome to marwood Oh, uh, that movie is is a trash fire. Um, <laughs> ass. Yeah, so bad. Uh, and I don't necessarily blame him for that, though. I, I think it's just a bad script and movie. Um, and uh, I, I hate a lot of his straight up comedies, especially his lead comedies. Forty um, year old virgin's good, but he is playing again, kind of a sad sack. Uh, but I, th- I think a lot of his humor is is obnoxious more so than funny um like where he's often the funniest is when he's a dummy like in uh anchorman is brick um and a lot of his other comedic roles i don't enjoy but this one works and i think because of what you're saying with the drama um and knightley has just man the more films i see of her the more i'm just impressed with her as an actress she's endlessly charming um she's always a little bit endearing she's walking a very thin line of being a manic pixie dream girl at the beginning of this movie um yes good shout yeah, it's real close. I think she's got enough depth of character that it's not that, but it's definitely right there. Like it, it is a very, very thin line. I think you could, I think you could make an argument that she is a manic pixie dream girl, but for me, she's she's more fleshed out than that. Um, I feel like she has her own kind of drive and her own agency. That yes, and there is still that like it's Carell's story, so it is going to be more leaning towards him than maybe you would ever buy she would ever be into but um i i, I do want to get in uh, i picked this movie when we were making this list like i said it was one of the first ones um because it's it's people waiting for the end and i feel like that's reflective of what we're going through right now it's like we don't know obviously i don't think the coronavirus is the end but it mm-hmm. is scary we've never in my lifetime of 37 years we've never encountered anything this level where it's worldwide and, and no one seems to have an answer or any sense of when this is going to end or how it's going to end um people you know are some people are saying it's the worst thing ever some people are, are downplaying it and you all this conflicting information makes it very stressful and i think this movie captures that um they know that there's something impending above them, hovering over them. Some people lowers their inhibitions and they're willing to do whatever they want with no repercussions, no fears. Other people like Carell's character are, are just trying to live day by day, day by day and, and make it to the end. Um, you know, there's some dark tones here and I, I do feel like I laughed more my second viewing. So I don't know if the comedy becomes maybe once you get the overall vibe of the film, if some of the things that were maybe not as funny the first time become funny, because now you get like where it's going. Like part of my, my other thing when I watched it the first time is I didn't really know what this was, you know, like it's in the title, but I didn't know exactly what to expect from the plot. And now having seen it and rewatching it, 
I know where it's going. And I felt like I was much more comfortable with a lot of the scenes than I was the first time around. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not a happy film either. And it's, it, it's comedy, but ultimately it isn't one where you're going to li- I didn't leave anyway, feeling like, you know, I didn't feel uplifted. And that's come from somebody who thought actually this film was really quite good. But, you know, the film, like it starts off and it tells you what's going to happen. And at the end of the film, yeah, that's what we get. So it, it, we, we're bookended and it's what happens in between, which is what makes the film so good. And you mentioned things like frenzies. It's like, Jesus, you, none of the pubs are open over here anymore. So just looking at that scene, I was like, man, going to a pub and restaurant. They're lucky, those guys are. But um, yeah. it's got the um, it's got the he who should not be named, TJ Miller and uh, Gillian Jacobs, as you say. And uh, that's one of the fun moments in the in the in the film. It's a lovely scene on the beach. I say lovely because it's also horribly depressing because there are lots of kids who are enjoying life, and you think, well, not long. Um, and, this, and Marty Sheen, like I say, Marty Sheen turns up, and he he allows for some more of the emotional yeah. backbone of the story. Um, I was yeah, the oh, exactly good good word. I wasn't sure how Kieran Knightley and Steve Carell would work on screen because they are not. They're not like they're not pitched together as partners in this film. The film doesn't open up with them together. And the funny thing is, Steve Carell's wife is actually his original wife in this film, on-screen wife, who ends oh. up leaving him directly straight. That's one of the fun. And it was their anniversary. I read on that day, like their seventeenth oh, anniversary. So they filmed that scene where they divorced like promptly, and then everybody sang a happy anniversary and gave him cake. Um, so they're not like they, so. The film doesn't start. And has to try to believe that these two are a couple. It's it's very organic how they kind of how they meet. There are coincidences and things along the way which make you think, oh, you know, that kind of love that lovely plot armor and those plot conveniences that happen. But I was I wasn't sure how well they'd work together. But actually, do you know what? Like like you said, they had a really nice warm chemistry. They really did work together really well. Um, and I had a few issues with the tone because it. It kind of flitted, like I said, between the drama and the comedy. First half was more comedy. The second half then like thundered along to to well thundered along like an asteroid, shall we say? And and it became a lot more bleak, a lot more depressing. There are uh, shoots of hope, but I found the sadness the sadness stemmed from like the thoughts of my my mortality, not everybody's mortality, and everything good that we have and we love. That's where the sadness stemmed from. Watching this, thinking, man, if this was me, knowing that two weeks time everything's going to be gone. That's where my sadness came from. I thought of the different emotions that we are I'm having to feel throughout feel during this movie uh, all went back to that, you know, where the sadness was coming from, mortality and everything I hold dear and love, which is very much for me what what was happening in the film. And that's where the, where the sadness worked for me. And the film is it is a tearjerker, I'm not going to lie. I had a lump in my throat watching it yesterday. I was like, man, this is this has hit me. I didn't expect it to, but it really did. Um also I like the fact that Penny Kieran Knightley was born in Surrey. So was I. So, represent oh. sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a great shout for a for, for a for the topic we're talking about now. That sense of you know the un the unknown, basically, or in this case, it's the impending um, nature of it. But where we are at the minute is still the uncertainty. We don't know what's going on at the minute. And like you said, there are some people who are taking it one way, others taking it differently. I know people in my own life who are very flippant and blasé about it. Others who are extremely militant. And others who are just kind of straight down the middle, who just, you know, they're just living their life and doing, you know, what they feel is right. So, and this is what you get in this film. So, uh, well, I think it's a good choice, this was. This movie is also, a, it's a technically becomes a road trip movie at one point. Um, yeah. they, they flee their apartment. And in that way, um, our, our namesake for this miniseries, Bampocalypse Now, 
it does kind of reflect Apocalypse Now as they, they go down the river and they meet mm -hmm. these different little groups and how the groups are reacting to the war differently. Here, how are they reacting to the the impending doom? Like you have the the militant group that she's friends with that um are in New Jersey and give you know help with one way. Uh, they they run into the frenzies, which honestly reminds me of the Odyssey and it like the the Lotus Eaters. Um, you know, like the idea of these people are are doing drugs and just enjoying life. TJ Miller, I think it's one of his funniest performances. I love his like tone of voice and uh they're like they have a little dog with them. It's like is this okay? He's like, Yeah, everything's fine. A guy brought a wolf last week and it's just <laughs> it's so like he says it so like matter of factly, it's just it's really funny. Um just wide eyed, isn't he, the whole time. Mm -hmm. It was super. All of them are on drugs, like clearly. And then, uh, can you smell weed? Yeah. Join, join the conga line. Yeah, and then uh, Rob Cordry, um, early in the like he's he's uh, one of his friends. He's drinking and he's having the kids drink. He's just living way too much. Um, him and his wife are kind of fighting. He says, "This isn't the freaking arc." He says something else. I'm not gonna curse. This isn't the freaking arc, Diane. This is the Titanic, and there's not a life raft in sight. And I think that mindset is what we're seeing a lot with people buying all the toilet paper or buying all the water. And it's Damn like you. things that you're just like, it doesn't even make sense that you're buying all of that because that's not, we're not in like, this was not probably something you have to go through, Matt, but usually every two to four years, we have a major hurricane scare here in Florida where either a real hurricane is like going to hit us. And I've been, I've lived through now uh, one year, 2004, there were three that were all back, like within two months and it was a nightmare. And I was working at a hardware store at the time. So it was real bad. Like it was always crazy. Um, I was graduating that semester from college. So it was like, it was a, a nut year. Like everything was crazy. And then uh, two years ago, we had another bad hurricane. My house had some damage and stuff. It, it, it We actually lost an, a couple episodes of the uh, movie club podcast because of it and things like that. Weekly so, movie club. Yeah. yeah. And it was a two week like ordeal where like there was no power. And so when in those scenarios, we buy up all the water and you see people like scraping and they're being like, so like save myself. Don't worry about anybody else kind of thing. Right. Like they're not worried about if anyone else needs water, yes. they're only worried about themselves. And that makes a little more sense because once the power goes out, there's nothing. Right. Yeah. 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 There's, 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 there is tangible damage. And I don't mean to downplay what's going on now because right. it's a pandemic. There are people are dying. It's not a funny thing. We yeah, certainly no, aren't making light of it, but what you're saying is correct. When when there is a you know a danger to society and life to actually go out of your house. Well, so for me, when I heard people were initially buying it here in Florida, I assumed they were just went into hurricane survival mode and they were just buying hurricane supplies for something that's not a hurricane. But then I saw it was happening worldwide, and I'm like, or at least in in America, but obviously it's, you're affected by it's it too. Worldwide, who the hell needs that many bloody tins of baked beans? They're stripped right. bare. I've got to get it off my chest, but yeah, if, if I went to the supermarket today, yes, I left my house. Don't flame me. Got to eat. Yeah. Uh, and the the, the the shelves in the aisles are bare. If you want meat, don't even think about it. If you want tinned items, perishables, don't even think about it. If you want toilet roll, kitchen stuff, no. Even the frozen stuff. I mean, you're literally eating like um, pastry cases and um, and like milk, UHT milk. That's all there's left. Yeah, we got to be better is what I think I'm saying. And that's what, to me, this movie, I actually do find elements of it hopeful. Because, um, like, there's obviously a lot to be sad and bleak. And um, I, I find Corel's performance to be extremely touching at times. Yeah, he's and, good at that. Yeah, and um, and Knightley is just, again, a little manic when we first meet her. But as she kind of becomes a more fleshed out character, I, I find her character very interesting. She's got a, a backstory that I'm intrigued by people 
I think even maybe this could be commentary on the Manic Pixie Dream Girl because it seems like every guy who's in her life kind of views her as the salvation. Um, like Adam Brody's character is her boyfriend that she's broken up with when we meet her for the first time. And like his interaction, how he's talking to her, like you're my everything. And yet he clearly doesn't appreciate her. And then uh, she, we, we meet the militant guy and he's like, I should have married you. And she's like, when? Like, what are you talking about? Like, we were never even like you get the vibe that it's all in his head that she's this perfect girl. And um, I think Carell through time sees her as something more than that. And I, I do think having a female writer director maybe is why there's so much played around the trope, but, um, uh, but I found, especially this viewing that oh, it's very darkly satirical. I think a lot of it is meant to be kind of commentary on how people react. And you do have that, as we were saying, these like segmented packs of, of lifestyle and all the different ways that people might react to an apocalypse, which we are seeing right now in the real world, even though, again, it's not technically an apocalypse, but this, this massive disease that is scaring everybody, we're seeing people reacting in these similar ways. Some people are, are living it up. Some, you know, Florida had to shut down the beaches because people were still coming to spring break and <laughs> spreading the virus. Um, it was happening. And, uh, you know, like things like that were like, they've closed the pubs ignoring. in the United Kingdom, which is, you know, if anyone over here in the United Kingdom, that's a big deal to close the pubs. Right. Well, in here, uh, most of our restaurants, restaurants yeah. have gone to takeout only or whatever. Uh, yeah, same. Well, no con deliveries, all no contact. They leave it on your doorstep. Yes, right. And, uh, you know, luckily for us, we just got like the food delivery services here, like within a year. So like a, a year earlier, this would be a real nightmare where no nobody would have a delivery system in place except for pizza places, you know. So at least now there are options for us, but still people are going outside or people are, some people are taking the literal, like where they're not leaving their house where like, I'm still, I'm going for a walk, but my neighborhood's super dis like, you know, even if we were all outside, we could be 10 feet apart and no problem. We're not in a crowded area. So like, it's possible to still live a life, maybe not the life we're used to. And a lot of our comforts are being taken and that's scary, but I found the hopefulness in, um, even though they know that the world is coming to an end, like there's no question in this film at one point that the world is coming to an end, the way Corell and Knightley choose to spend their final days and getting to know each other and having this experience gave me hope in the sense that um, it's, it's the little things, right? Like no matter what it's, it's watching a movie. It, it is spending time with your family. It is um, having, reconciling and that kind of stuff here yeah. yeah and just just experiencing like because yes the experience might end but we don't do things expecting them to last forever we do them because of the moment right and that's what i i kind of take from this film is like yes we don't know how long we've got ever we've never have known right like you you always hope like i've spent the last year of my life trying to get healthy to extend that opportunity and here comes a freaking pandemic you know to like haha and so it's like <laughs> you don't you don't do things with with the long-term goal only in mind you do them because you enjoy doing them and you're hoping you're going to get to keep doing some of those other things that you enjoy. And I think that's what I kind of took from this film is like in, in a happy way, in a hopeful way is that like, yes, he, and to be fair, like I think Carell's characters had a kind of not so great life in general. And it, I think he maybe finds more joy in the last 10 days than he has most of his, the time that he's been there. But even then, like he makes a non-selfish choice, which I, I love that scene so much. And um, we still get our, you know, what we want. This movie does give you the happy ending, as happy an ending as you can have when the world's coming to an end. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I really, again, I liked it the first time. I think I liked it more this time. Um, I really 
I think it's a film people need to watch. And I think right now it's a good time, especially if you can pull the optimism from it. Matt didn't, didn't get that unfortunately yeah i mean i i did i, I like i said there were shoots of hope so i i, I, I made sure i mentioned that because there are shoots of hope but ultimately you know it, it's just like life you know time is transient it stops for no one and this film is very much a you know that in a in a in a prism it's in the glass there you've got you know you've got an end we're, it's going to end we now know our ending in this film so let's try and do what we can and like i say some people just do what they want. But then there are other people like Steve Carell who tries to make the best of what he's got. And uh, the two coming together, how they do and how they spend their moments. There is hope in there that even though, even with the, the apocalypse, you know, the bampocalypse hanging over you, there is still hope that, you know, these people can still find each other and share those special moments regardless. And even at the very, very end, it ends on, you know, the world fades away of a smile and that's that there's hope there. But I mean, obviously the message itself is kind of, you know, the, the way the film ends is still, oh, but there was never any question that it wasn't going to do that. It wasn't a case of the, the missions failed. However, we are, we're going to send another one up there to try and, you know, destroy this asteroid. You know, there is nothing, there's nothing in this film to say that that would ever happen. It's, this is it. This is where it's going to go. Now let's just get to that point. So, but so I did find some hope, but uh, yeah, I did, as it ends the film still feeling a bit sad. Well, I am sorry to bum you out in these dark times, but at the same time, I'm glad you overall liked the movie because I do think it's oh, one I did, yeah. that uh, just people either maybe you skip for whatever reason and then have forgotten, but it's it's definitely worth uh, a watch um, if you uh, have the ability to do so, which, again, I own the DVD. It is available to rent um, on most streaming services. I'm checking to see if it's available to stream with a subscription here in the States. Um, it, it says Hulu, but I think it might be a part of Stars. Um, it's that weird thing where like Hulu says it's you can stream it there, but when you actually check, it says like with Star subscription. Um, so I'm checking that now, but it looks like it's not on Netflix here in the states either. So it, I feel like Europe's got a better Netflix system. What's going on? Man, I wouldn't go that far. Australia, from my head, that's where it's at. They get everything um, down under. Um, uh, so apparently they, that's where you want to be, but. Because I always look enviously at the United States and Australia and that. Because I'm thinking, well, I don't, their Netflix looks so much cooler. Like back in the day, all the Star Wars films would be on, and we get them years later, or even just decent films. Um, and then don't even get me starting on Disney Plus. But um, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we've got we've been getting a few things over here recently. But now, um, but I don't really, I don't really watch Netflix all that much to be honest. I've got to say, only when I'm recommended to watch something, or if I'm like frightfully bored i'll go on there to see if there's any films to watch and, and stumble across a gem and this is what i would call one now i'm not going to say this was the the pinnacle of films you know this isn't going to enter my top 20 of all time but i still really enjoyed this film and it's a gem Do you know what a film i hadn't seen before one i was aware of but paid no mind to watched it and thought you know what uh, uh, to echo what big tuna said um good man big tuna said you know this is a film that people should maybe watch more and talk about more and i mean i said it was unappreciated i think and yeah i, I agree yeah. with that people if you haven't seen it do go check it out because regardless of the actual what happens and all that and the messages it's just a very well-made film it's a good film it's a well-acted film and i i enjoyed the film even if i did come out of it feeling a bit bleak but i think like i said that was more the internal sadness of what if I was in that situation and the things I'd have to give up? And yeah. I guess if you were in that situation, JB, if you knew you had three weeks to go, I know it's hypothetical, but you know, where where would you fall? Would you be kind of up and down every day or would you kind of just think, well, I've got three weeks, let's make the most of it? I th I, I'd like to say I'd make the most of it. Um, 
it is hard to say. I definitely uh, am prone to overthinking and panicking. Um, so I might be more in Corel's line. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like I would be a partier though. Like that's not in me to do that kind of stuff. Like to just like, you know, all inhibitions off kind of thing. Um, I think I'd still feel like some comfort in a routine. You know what I mean? Like I'd probably eat a bunch of crappy food though. You know, like oh, everything right. I've not been eating for like the last year. I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> the stuff I have been eating for the last year. Yeah. Uh, someone's got to, right? No, um, John's passed off his old habits onto me. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. And I really think um, if you liked Hustlers from last year or if you slept on that movie, you should also watch that. But um, L- Lawrence Gaffaria, man, she's someone to watch. And uh, check out The Meddler. It is not in our theme, so it won't be part of the miniseries. But it was a good movie. And I liked Rose Byrne in it quite a lot. Although it is more, I think, Susan Sarandon's story. Um, it's her. It's like the idea of like a, a mom who is involved way too much with, with her life hence the name the meddler but it's uh it's really entertaining i'm assuming it's probably somewhat autobiographical for her um but yeah uh seeking a friend for the end of the world i say check it out um and that's it for this episode of uh bampocalypse now mini series of bloody awesome movie podcast uh matt where can they find you on the webs uh the world can find me at what i watch tonight.co.uk follow that handle on twitter and instagram uh for the reviews and the movie talk and also on letterboxd as John said so eloquently on the last show, the first show, follow us on Letterboxd. Follow me at WIWT, and let's talk some film, guys. Yep, and you can follow me on uh, at BurkeReviews.com or uh, at BurkeReviews on all the social media. And again, like Matt said, uh, Letterboxd.com. We really want to push more people uh, that are film lovers to get on there. It's just a great site for film. And uh, you can follow the podcast on Bloody Awesome Movie Pod at Instagram and on Twitter. Is at BAMP, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And from Matt, keep it bloody awesome, and keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 blood.